Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Episode 14, Healing Autoimmune, Information and Hormone Havoc Through Diet with Nutritional Therapist Angelique Panagos. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine, Alternatively Healthy. This is your high vibe, soul soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts, and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources, and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Angelique is a writer, foodie, nutritional therapist with her own successful West End practice specializing in female health, stress, digestion, and is also the author of The Balance Plan, a diet and lifestyle approach to balancing hormones. It is Angelique's immense passion to help heal with the power of food. In this episode, I get up close and personal with Angelique and we cover what hormone imbalances look like, what the different types of hormones in your bodies are and the roles that they play, what symptoms we can face when our hormones are out of whack, what silent symptoms there are such as weight gain and what simple changes we can make in our diet to bring our body back into balance. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thanks for having You're me. You're so welcome. I am excited to have you with me today because I think this couldn't have come at a more perfect time. So much as conversation has been sparked on some of my previous posts, I've done a lot of content recently about how I have been handling hormone imbalance pretty much since I was about 10 and gone through different stages where it's been fine and it's not been fine. And then did a podcast a few weeks back with someone that kind of opened a massive can of worms. So for me, what I've noticed is that I don't think my inbox on Instagram has ever been so full. And so I'm so excited to discuss these hormones because I guess what I have seen is it shocked me that in sparking a conversation about my health to do with hormones, I can't believe how many other people are struggling with the same issues. And it kind of gets me asking the questions now of, okay, I think we really need to ask ourselves. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's going on with our lifestyles? And, yeah. you know, it's about time that this pursuit of healthiness kind of needs to change because it kind of seems to me that it's actually all the people that are really obsessively chasing this healthy lifestyle are the ones that are actually handling real hormone imbalances. So I'm super excited to have you on today so that we can talk all things hormones and how to help them, how to help heal them, and actually what it also looks like. So I think a lot of people have also messaged me saying, well, I'm not sure if I have a hormone imbalance, what does that actually look like? So obviously just introduce yourself. And I guess why hormones are such a focus for you, because I know that it was quite a big story in kind of your health. And that's why it's become kind of an area of focus for you, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I always say that you know, I got into nutrition, into hormones because I felt like I had to fix myself. I felt broken. Yeah. And, you know, you feel like you've been dealing with hormone conditions from the age of 10. Mm. So have I. I started menstruating at the age of 10. Wow. Same. You know, I was so young. I thought I pooped out on my front bum. <laughs> I did not have a clue what was going on. And, you know, with the periods came nausea, irritability, this insatiable hunger. I felt like Garfield, you know, just wanting to stuff yeah. my face in a tray of lasagna and just eat the whole thing. You know, yeah. I just could never like feel full. And you know, as my age increased, so did my waistline. It was just continuous. And it became all consuming at one stage because I honestly thought like I was going mad. And another mm. reason why I'm so passionate about sharing this message now is because I feel like we're at this point where we're finding our voice as women and we're yeah. actually saying, hang on a sec. I don't feel great. I've been feeling this all sorts of terrible for so many years. Something is amiss. Something needs to change. And we're smashing through the taboos of not talking about periods. And I think it's a fantastic time for us women to stand together and actually say, yeah, we need to start feeling better again. So definitely my own issues that helped me to see that there was an issue with others as well, because the more you talk about it, as you say, sparking that conversation, people are saying, hang on a sec, it's me too. Yeah. But I have polycystic ovaries. Okay. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid yeah. condition. So my thyroid attacked itself. So I have a hyperthyroid now, so I'm an underactive thyroid. Mm. I suffered from eating disorders as well, which I'd love to talk about yeah. what disordered eating and eating disorders does Absolutely. with our hormones. Yeah. And I've got something called adenomyosis, which is a uterine endometriosis. So I have a lot of hormonal, I call it dis-ease, 
because yeah. it's, it's definitely, it feels uncomfortable. And I had to do a lot of work on myself. You know, I went through a stage of partying like a rock star mm. and, you know, drinking all night, drinking coffee all day to stay awake. And at that point, the saying goes, your genes load the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger. Yeah. I totally feel that my environment just brought on all these symptoms where I actually thought, I can't feel this rubbish all my life. Yeah. So that's the short version of yeah. how I got to where I am. <laughs> I think that's the thing, though. We all have our story. And what's so interesting, mm. and we definitely will get onto the restricted diet thing, because I actually have been doing so much reading on where I've been trying to naturally balance my hormones myself. And I did this two years ago, and it came all down to my gut, actually, and it made a real difference. Mm. And I've kind of actually had a bit of a relapse I guess with my hormones in the last few months in particular and so I've done so much reading and research on restrictive diets and we'll absolutely get onto that but what I do want to touch on is obviously you said you hit puberty really early mm-hmm. so this is actually something that really resonates with me and it'll be interesting to know if, if people are listening who do have hormone imbalances if they are particularly people who did also start early so I was at primary school still just going into secondary school and I had boobs I was already having to wear like vests I already had pubes and like I came on my period in that summer and like you said I was not expecting it but it's really odd for my family because no one in my family has got big boobs my sister didn't come on her period until she was like 17 she was actually really late and a lot of exactly the stuff the same with mine really like I'm the big boob girl yeah. I'm the one that started early I'm also the only one with PCOS is so- there a reason why that might be because I've always put it down to, and I don't know if I've just made this up, but from the reading I've been doing is that I was dairy intolerant from birth. I was born into a very stressful situation, which caused a lot of issues with my gut. And I was actually brought up basically on soya milk. Okay. And a lot of people have said to me that that could be something that helped trigger it because of the estrogen. Do you know, our hormones are so sensitive. And there's a lot of research now saying that the reason why we are starting periods at a younger age and going through puberty so much younger is due to these xenoestrogens yeah and whether that's from plastics toxins you know drinking something like a processed soya milk it could be unfortunately we don't know the answer yeah that's the beauty about some things it's like a double-edged sword it's good that we're still learning mm-hmm. but unfortunately we don't have all the answers and i think looking back and this is what i do when i'm with my clients in clinic is i say to them start right from the beginning yeah. start at the things that you don't think have anything to do with what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, start right at the beginning. What age did you start your period? Okay, what age did you go on the pill? Yeah. And sometimes it's girls going on the pill before they even started their period. Yeah. So I just feel like there's so much that can affect hormones. And I like to think of hormones as, you know, those old school radios where we had to turn the dial. I don't know if I'm showing my age here, but <laughs> <laughs> we had to tune the radio with a big knob. Oh, really? <laughs> Okay, I'm really showing my age. Yeah. Anyway, you had to finely tune. You even had to tune your TV. And if you just got it like one little part to the right or to the left that was wrong, you had a white noise. And yeah. I feel like that's what hormones do as well. They're just this intricate, almost like a tube system, like the London tube system. Everything runs exactly at the right time, at the right speed, as it should. And if one thing is out of place, it has a knock-on effect on the yeah. other. And following on from your you talking about the pill, so I guess from my perspective, I've had so many people messaging me. I feel like at my age, at the 28, 20, mid-20s, a lot of people are coming off the pill. So I yeah. was on the pill from just before 16 all the way until I was 26. And actually, the last three years, I was on the implant, which I think made me an absolute psychopath when I look back. So I finally came off it all when I broke up with my boyfriend. I came off everything, and that's actually when everything hit 
like firstly since I was a child that's when all my hormones just went crazy I had acne I had food intolerances were through the roof and this is again something I'm trying to get everyone to also understand Mm. is that obviously everything's connected and I haven't gone back on the pill since and doctors have obviously been like go back on the pill I've so most people listening will probably know my story, but last year I had basically had all my hormones tested off the back of having an MRI scan and them seeing shadowing in my ovaries, which they never actually got to the bottom of what the shadowing was. But they okay. found that my estrogen was really low and I had low FSH and LH. And she was like, I want you to go back on the pill because it will balance them out. And I was like, that's fine. But for me, it really hit me hard that to me, she told me it was my lifestyle. So she told me it was years of restrictive eating, over-exercising and kind of obsessing about being healthy and that was for me when it all clicked and I was like oh my goodness I'm a woman and this is madness I'm chasing healthiness and it's making me unhealthy exactly which is what totally changed my mindset but she was so quick to get me to try and go back on the pill and I was like but really the real issue here is that my lifestyle needs to change my mindset needs to change and if I go just back on the pill it's going to mask everything so, and this is the thing, though, the pill, if it's used for what it was intended to, for contraception, yeah. and, you know, at times where there are ladies that are in such debilitating pain from endometriosis and, you know, where the pill seems to be the only thing that gives them some relief, yeah. it is still that sticking plaster because, as you say, as you rip that plaster off, your hormones go into, like, this hormonal shitstorm again. Yeah. But if you are on the pill, there's a lot that you can be doing in the meantime, to help the body for when you're coming off of the pill. Because a lot of ladies say to me, well, I'm on the pill now, so my hormones are fine. And I just say, we don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, now we have no idea what your hormones are doing. Yeah. It's when you come off of the pill that we'll know. And some ladies come off absolutely fine, and others, like you say, as yourself, completely spirals out of mm. control. And that's a really good point there, because we're all biochemically individual. Yeah. And there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, and that's where these fad diet, these restrictive diets, these crazy excessive exercise DVDs, that's where they fail because we're not all the same. So that means that not everyone can do the same thing and expect the same result. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something at the moment that I have such an issue with in the industry and it's really made me change my mind, even my practice as a PT and be so careful about the things that I'm posting because Mm. it's kind of great and we all started this to motivate people and get them working out and getting them being healthy and it's kind of like we've fueled the fire and made it worse so for people that are listening because I think the biggest questions I've had are people saying can you explain the hormones a little bit more to me I know there are obviously like quite a few different types of hormones we have sleep hormones and I also I'm getting a lot of people saying to me, what actually does a hormone imbalance look like? And where does that differ when you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis? Because I apparently don't have those things, but every symptom I have is of an autoimmune or an inflammation kind of Mm. route. And so if I don't have any of those things, is it just purely a hormone imbalance I have? I guess firstly start by just starting from the absolute beginning with what different hormone types do we have? There are many different hormones in the body. And if we think of the hormones like a symphonic orchestra, mm-hmm. and it's conducted by your endocrine system. And this endocrine system is made up of different glands and organs. Yeah. And it starts with your hypothalamus in your brain. And I like to think of your hypothalamus as your MD. So the managing director speaks to the pituitary also in the brain, which is like the manager. Mm-hmm. And it gives either a stimulating or an inhibitory signal. And then the 
pituitary, so your manager, then sends out a message to the workforce. And the workforce could be your thyroid. Yeah. It could be your ovaries, your adrenals, testes in men. And then from there, those send out these chemical messengers, these extremely powerful, potent messengers called hormones. Mm-hmm. And those affect every cell in the body from head to toe. Yeah. And I like to think of them when they're working in a balanced way. It's like this Viennese waltz. Mm-hmm. You know, everything feels lovely. Everything's regulated. Everything is beautiful. But many of us are walking around. We're doing the hokey pokey and we're using <laughs> the wrong feet. Yeah. And what this leads to is symptoms of insomnia. So not being able to sleep. Constipation. Not mm-hmm. pooping for days or doing little buck droppings. Yeah. Flatulence. You know, like being the windy kid. Mm-hmm. Skin breakout, acne, hair thinning on your head but growing on your face, PMS where you're just like an absolute cow for two weeks yeah. plus of the month, migraines, headaches, mood swings, food craving, lack of motivation, cold hands and feet, tearfulness, forgetfulness, low sex drive or painful irregular periods. Those yeah. are just some of the symptoms. It's crazy. It and is. I've only mentioned some of the hormones yeah. as well. And we've mean, got sleep hormones, we've got hunger hormones, we've got satiety hormones. So there's a lot of hormones. That's why I say it's from head to toe. Yeah. And, so it um, really is a big network to try and balance. It is a big job. I mean, I was told about it in November and I promised myself that I wasn't going to go on the pill until six months later if I hadn't managed to at least... I mean, I've made some huge changes to my life since that got told. And I still feel like I'm still on a massive journey with it. But when I say I've made changes, I have made some serious changes. But the one thing I still don't get is polycystic and endometriosis. Where are they different to someone who's just gotten hormone imbalance? Or what might they want to be looking out for? Is there a, so when you've got polycystic ovaries, it's, there's different theories as to what causes polycystic ovaries. Yeah. But what researchers are pretty much in agreement is that it's an insulin-driven condition. Yeah, okay. So an insulin is a hormone as well. It's a peptide hormone. It's a hormone made from protein. And insulin is really important. Insulin yeah. helps to keep us alive. But it's also a storage hormone. Okay. So if you've got that super tube around your waist where you feel like you're tucking in your stomach with your top into your yeah. trousers and... You know, no amount of sit-ups is going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, then we need to be looking at what's going on with your blood sugar and your insulin. Yeah. But this insulin has a major impact on a lot of hormonal dis- dis-ease or dysfunction, and not only polycystic, but with polycystic ovaries, it's this elevated insulin. It's called hyperinsulinemia, and that can lead to more testosterone being secreted or being made in the ovaries. Okay. What it also does, though, is it increases something called aromatase, which converts your testosterone to estrogen. So Mm. what we're looking at here is if we've got both of these elevated, we can look at tearfulness, puffiness, water retention, irregular periods, heavy periods, irritability, anger, hair loss on your head. So if you're experiencing those type of things, you may want to be looking at what your diet is doing with regards to sugar, processed foods, and not getting enough good fats and proteins. So that's with polycystic ovaries and then endometriosis, so much research around it at the moment. And I am really pouring myself into the research because I was told about this condition and I don't know my own to add to my list. I was like, Jesus, how long can this list be? Only when I had, because I've had two miscarriages, so only when I had the first miscarriage. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it before. I had gone for so many tests 
and the one for endometriosis was inconclusive, but polycystic ovary was diagnosed, so therefore all the focus was put on PCOS. Right. So every symptom that I had, I just said, oh, well, it's the PCOS, it's the PCOS. Yeah. So I didn't even look any further than that. So with endometriosis, you know, now we're looking at it as an autoimmune condition. Yeah. And this is where your lining grows outside of the womb and it sheds and, you know, it causes inflammation. And it's something that you said earlier about inflammation that I thought inflammation is, is one of the key things with hormones as well. Yeah. We want inflammation in the body. It's important, but it's like a flickering candle. That's the type of inflammation. Yeah. So it's not like a bonfire. Mm. And, and unfortunately, modern life can lead to these bonfires yeah. as opposed to the flickering candle. And I think that's where it's not a, and I will obviously go into this, but I guess it's not a one answer kind of situation because I'm still certain that there's something that they have not got with me. Mm. With polycystic ovaries, we look at an internal scan yeah, as that. well as blood tests, looking at testosterone, FSH, LH, mm. estrogen, so that's and then progesterone at 14 days after ovulation. So then why would someone like me be struggling with low estrogen? What's that a reflection of? So with low estrogen, again, you know, we need to be looking at lifestyle, yeah. you know, genetics. Genetics play a role. So the things that play a role in hormonal imbalance or hormonal balance is genetics, mm. lifestyle. And what we know about epigenetics is we actually have the ability to either switch on a gene or switch off a gene in the food that we eat, the lifestyle that we lead, mm. and also age plays a role and stress stress yeah, is a big player so unfortunately i can't say for you no. what it is without a case history but there's so many things that we can start looking at and you touched on something earlier about excessive exercise as well yeah i think for me i know it's success like years of excessive exercise probably restrictive mm. diets i didn't realize were restrictive and i, I definitely want to talk about that because it's my biggest fight at the moment with girls is a lot of people don't think they have a disordered pattern of eating but actually it's very disordered and we've become very kind disordered, of yeah, yeah it's kind of become and, a completely different question now as to what an eating disorder is. It isn't always the deep depths of an eating disorder anymore. And that's almost what scares me the most is I had such a surface level disordered pattern with food that I thought it was normal. I never put my fingers down my throat and I never ever physically starved myself. But I was waiting for the next couple of hours that I could eat my food. I was thinking about my food. I mean, I've always restricted dairy because I am so intolerant to it. But then it turned into, I need to restrict this because of my IBS and I need to restrict FODMAPs because of this. And actually, I was really down to quite a minimal diet without even realising. So what role does diet have? Because I actually did a lot of reading today on adaptive thermogenesis. And you know how your body actually physically maintains a stable condition once it's used to being in a restrictive diet. And it got me thinking that I think that that is a big thing that a lot of people might be struggling with. We've given it a name now, orthorexia, but I think it's been around for a long time. It's definitely something that that's where it all started for me. Yeah. Was only eating what I thought was healthy, you know, and then it led down a very slippery slope of being a very unhealthy vegan for a while. Yeah. Like, honestly, I was living on air, basically. Yeah, what does an unhealthy vegan look like? Because I actually mm. went a bit vegan, and I felt a bit better for it. I went pescatarian, actually. But I have to say, I felt better. I wasn't as bloated. I had more energy, but my skin just went to pieces, and I supplement a lot. So this is, and I'm glad you've actually said supplements, because we can't out-supplement a unhealthy diet. Yeah. 
And that's the other thing. I have clients come to me with like a bag full of supplements. Yeah. And then I just think, okay, well, we don't need half of those. Yeah. And the other half will probably need to get a better quality. And on that point, if your gut isn't functioning optimally, you're yeah. not absorbing those nutrients in any case. Yeah. So it's just an extra load on the body. But going back to what a diet yeah. should look like or how this affects our hormones, is our hormones need a steady stream of nutrients that we yeah. get from the food that we eat. And I think this two single most harmful things to our health and to our hormones is a social experiment that we all signed up to unknowingly and that was low fat high sugar yeah because our sex hormones estrogen testosterone dhea which is a steroid hormone from the adrenal glands our stress hormones they all are derived from fat yeah and, I, you know, I, I did fat-free everything yeah, same. for years. I used to make my eggs without the yolk in them. I used to have egg whites all the time. I remember when I moved to London or moved to the UK, I was shocked that there was – I wasn't shocked. I was ecstatic that you could go into – I think it was giraffe and order an egg white omelette. Yeah. I thought I'd hit the jackpot. Awful. And so we need these. So we take in the fat and even LDL cholesterol, so this is what's dubbed as the bad cholesterol, that gets broken down into our mother hormone, which is called pregnenolone. And then that gets further broken down into either progesterone, which can get broken down into our stress hormone, or it goes the other way and it makes the rest of our sex hormones. So if you don't have enough fat in your diet, that's the first rate limiting step right yeah. there. It's the one that a lot of people also cut out because it's the highest in their calories. And if they're trying to restrict their calories, the fat's the first to go, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Because you can't have avocado or nuts because mm. it's high in calories. And that's where some of these apps that you can track your daily intake in, I think, are really unhelpful and really yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Because not all calories are Equal. created equally. And I think counting calories is so 1980s like we need yeah. to. It's a paradigm that's been disproven. It's an old paradigm. We need to get rid of it. We need to be aware and not be sitting there eating far too much of everything. Yeah. But, you know, the calories in a pizza, for example. Sorry, I'm just thinking of this thing that Joe Wicks. Oh, yeah. It was something in a newspaper that said, oh, my God, Joe Wicks' meal has more calories than a McDonald's. Yeah. And I just thought, but how are they actually printing that? Because yeah. that McDonald's burger or whatever burger doesn't have the nutrients that the fish yeah. that Joe Wicks' yeah. meal has. And yes, it's high in calories because it's bloody good fat. Yeah, but that's just naivety. So, yeah. That's just people chasing that calorie, the calorie game, which is very big in the fitness world because it works to a certain point, but it works if you're only chasing an aesthetic goal and not a healthy one. And, you know, can you keep it up? I definitely yeah, couldn't. No, and you can't. The thought of calories now sometimes scares the living daylights yeah. out of me because I think my chest actually becomes tight and I think I just never want to go back there yeah and then protein protein our hormones are made from proteins as well thyroid hormone yeah. thyroid's your master gland your master controller it looks after your metabolism it regulates temperature so if you cold all the time cold hands and feet you know your hair's thinning your eyes are a bit scratchy and dry you're losing the eyelashes from the outer end of your eyebrows not due to plucking, but due to natural reasons, you know, then we need to speak to your doctor yeah. and, you know, test your thyroid. Yeah. No, so it's... just simple things like that, like two things that could possibly be missing in a vegan diet. Yeah. And what about... If you're not following a healthy, a healthy vegan diet. Yeah. And then, so what about these restrictive diets in terms of mm. what it does to your hormones? I mean, because obviously we talked about the fat and the protein and how far deeper does it go having years of restrictive diets in behind you? 
The thing is that our body, I call it the body's economy. It's like Bitcoin. Mm. So Bitcoin's the latest rage. No one's ever seen a Bitcoin, but we know that we can trade in this currency. Yeah. And that's like these cofactors that the body uses. So we eat food and that gets broken down into this Bitcoin and our body uses it where it needs to. Yeah. And its primary function is going to be to try and keep your brain going, your heart beating, your lungs breathing. If you're under a lot of stress, if you're very deprived of your nutrients, things are going to have a knock-on effect. And having a baby or menstruating is not on the priority list to keep you alive. This is just a general, very simplistic way of looking at it. So Mm. what we need to be doing in these restrictive diets, what they unfortunately do is they start depleting your body's economy. And as I said, like right in the beginning, if we think about our hormones as this tube map if a train starts going slower or one starts speeding up it has a knock-on effect on the whole system yeah and we need to be getting in the nutrients from fruit and vegetables as well from whole grains we started talking about clean eating and unfortunately it just spiraled into something like a four-letter word but what it actually stood for in the beginning was like eating as close to nature as possible and avoiding these refined foods And people are jumping on the gluten-free craze, the dairy-free craze. I'm dairy intolerant from birth yeah. as well. So I feel like we've like lived in yeah. parallel like lives. we're the same yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that we're now in this modern world where we have all these substitute products. And unfortunately, a lot of them are just void of nutrients and just high in sugars and refined carbohydrates. So we're almost swapping the one for the other and we're not getting the nutrients in. And it's easy to eat food-like products. Because convenience is at its highest. So you can always grab things on the go. And, and yeah. marketing is just so clever as well oh, that they so show clever. you. I think it's, God, I can't even think. There's some breakfast cereal that's in a shake now. I forget what it is. But anyway, you can buy this breakfast in a liquid form. Oh, God. You don't even have to chew anymore. You can just <laughs> drink that. And then there's like things like that are called a breakfast biscuit. If it's got the word biscuit in it. It's a biscuit. When we eat and when we're relying on these processed foods, these convenience foods, because of the sure speed that we're living at, then unfortunately our diet can be lacking. And if our digestion isn't optimal and if we don't have enough of these good bacteria, the microbiome, I call them my eco-warriors, yeah. if we don't have enough of them, then we're not absorbing the nutrients from the food either. Yeah, which is where the close link of the gut comes in and I think that's where people don't realize it's such a big job and actually everybody's looking for that quick fix and that one trick pony and it is tough it is tough when you've been doing something for so long you know I've worked at this like natural healing my hormones kind of game for six months and I'm still like oh I know I'm gonna get there I know I'm gonna get there but it is hard to completely stick at it all and then that that also gives you the mindset of oh have I failed have I done this wrong you know yeah and that's where it's really tough one of my main messages is, is it's about consistency, about perfection. Yeah. And, you know, it's a lifestyle change and there is no one pill wonder, one food wonder, one exercise wonder, one self-care routine wonder that's going to make it all go away. What it is, is it's gentle changes consistently over time. Mm. That's going to lead to what I call the promised land of like hormonal freedom. Yeah. So and you can these- get there. You know, I managed to get myself to such a great place yeah. and then... You know, I had the two miscarriages, but I was able to fall pregnant 
for a third time again and I had my little baby last year. Amazing. And then the hormonal storm that comes with postpartum just yeah. reminded me of, wow. Really? <laughs> but this is the thing, and I don't think enough women think about it. So for me, all I actually really want to ever be and have ever wanted to be as a mum, I'm obsessed with children, always have been, always thought I'd be the first. Now, obviously, you spoke a lot about the genetics and hereditary kind of situations. So my entire family have struggled to have children. I was a complete miracle. My mum was told she couldn't have children. My sister was not quite IVF, but you know, you have to take the drug before you have IVF. My mum fell pregnant when she'd taken the drug. My cousin had to have IVF, like three rounds of it. She had twins on the IVF and then seven years later fell pregnant completely miraculously. So we've kind of got like a whole lifespan of women in our family who struggle and all struggle with our guts and all struggle with our hormones. It's really interesting how hereditary it is. But I guess for me, that was the turning point when the doctor was like to me, if you continue to live your life like this. And actually, probably my biggest scare was that actually how busy I was, how stressed I was and how much I worked. I think I'd already kind of overcome the years of exercise. That was when I was like 21, 22, 23. So obviously did have an effect on my body. But I think that part of my life had already changed. I think the de-stressing hadn't. I didn't know what meditation was. I didn't know what not working after nine o'clock was. I mean, that's, Mm. you know, the lifestyle changes that have come into play now are kind of crazy. But actually, that was it for me. That that was my mindset change. The moment she told me that if I didn't change my life, I'd really struggle to have children and carry and actually go the whole way. And I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. And I think that's maybe perhaps, I know you do a lot of work on that because you have suffered with miscarriages. And I'm really sorry to hear that. But I think that's the thing is that it it takes for people to really talk about what they've been through because girls aren't thinking of that yet. You know, we're at this stage where we're young. We want to look great. We want to go on holiday with our friends and look fabulous. And actually children are a few years down the line. But I'm just concerned that we've got this epidemic of girls with hormone issues at the moment who aren't even thinking about children but will be in the next few years. I'm definitely seeing an increase in clinic. Yeah. No matter what age, 20s, 30s, if someone's sitting in front of me, you know, I ask the question and I also say, you know, fertility isn't just about having a baby. It's about functioning yeah. properly as a woman, you know, having a period. Don't see your period as a bad thing. See of it as, thank goodness, you know, have yeah. my period. This is really an important thing for our bone health, for everything. And stress has such a major impact on our hormones and we underestimate it. If we think back, I think it was in the 90s, it was really cool to be busy, Mm, yeah. Like if you were busy, that even was now. like, you know, you were successful, you were the coolest. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if it's still cool to say cool, but, you know, <laughs> I've said it now. Yeah, but it's still now and, you say to people, how are you? They say I'm busy. It's like our currency of, it's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, burning the candle at both ends, taking your iPad, laptop, iPhone, whatever you have to bed with you and staring at this blue light. And, you know, the research is coming out that this blue light is affecting our circadian rhythm. Yeah. That circadian rhythm is keeping our cortisol levels increased without yeah. those cortisol levels going down because cortisol, the stress hormone from the adrenal glands, is like the sun. It rises in the morning and sets in the evening. Yeah. And that setting in the evening helps to stimulate melatonin. And that melatonin is your sleep hormone. Yeah. And if we're not sleeping, we're not resting, we're not repairing, our brain isn't detoxing, getting rid of all the toxins. Yeah. This is a natural process of life. Our body does it really well. We have to give the tools to be able to do that. Yeah. And the tool is, you know, not checking your phone before bed. It's hard because it's addictive. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think to myself, oh, I can't wait to go and like scroll through my Instagram feed. 
And then I think to myself, yeah, get a life. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think that's the thing. Yeah, People be- have got consumed in what life is, and it's just really none of those mm. things. You know, at the moment, I've got my podcast. I'm really, really enjoying every second of doing this podcast. But I stopped doing my workshops and my panel events just for the summer, just because I'd kind of burnt myself out, and I wanted a bit of a break, mm. and summer's quiet. It's so interesting because I'm lost not having those events and those workshops because I feel like now, apart from the podcast, obviously in the magazine, I'm focusing way more on my Instagram and it gives me nothing. It gives me nothing. It feeds my soul in absolutely no way at all. I guess from my perspective, the things that I've kind of changed are I now don't really ever work at the weekends if I don't have to. I really try and give myself a couple of days off. I find myself a hell of a lot more productive. I've made changes to my lifestyle in terms of stress. So I now no longer run out the door in the morning and go to the gym. I don't go to the gym unless I've got up in the morning and like meditated. Or sometimes I don't even go to the gym in the morning and I just, my morning is meditation. It is journaling, reading a bit of a book and just slowly getting my way into the day. I don't put meetings in first thing in the morning. So just not rushing out of the door. I don't work now after nine o'clock or seven o'clock usually in the evenings unless I have something that's really urgent. But urgent for me has changed. What urgent means is urgent is only... Good. I'm so pleased to hear that. Urgent is literally just urgent. You know, something that is literally like has to be done by tomorrow. But replying to people's emails, they're not urgent anymore. So I've changed kind of lifestyle factors. And was that easy to do? Because I, I feel like we're really attached to life. So exactly. So it's not easy to do. But the benefits that you get long term makes such a difference yeah. and so stress is meant to be this acute reaction you step mm. in front of a car car hoots you step back it's short-lived but if you live in your life pre these changes what we do is we tend to live in this chronically stressed state so I'm so pleased you've made those changes yeah no it's been an amazing journey and I would say it's taken me six months and I am really now only at the point where you know I don't look at my Instagram the first thing I wake up I actually read a book before I go to bed and I don't also look at my Instagram either and I find the weeks that I do I notice I'm a completely different person that week so I have made those changes but I guess from your perspective obviously they're the things that I've done and then there are a lot of things nutritionally that I've changed just like getting rid of the rules I literally have no restriction now and even exercise everything is done from a place of intuition now I only eat when I'm hungry what I fancy I actually for a bit had to get rid of rules in terms of like breakfast has to be at this time or lunch has to be at one o'clock I now just listen to my body and obviously naturally it's making me have breakfast at nine o'clock and lunch at two o'clock but I literally wait for my body to tell me I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full instead of having delivery services so basically just tuned in a lot more to me but from your perspective what are the key changes that anyone suffering with any kind of hormone imbalance or whether it's a disorder like endometriosis or polycystic ovaries what kind of fundamental changes should they be making to a their lifestyle and b their diet so i think let's start with lifestyle which is we have a lot of control over that at the same time we have very little control over it (laughs) modern life means that we at work most of the time and we need to start making these simple little switches. And it's exactly what you said there. You know, don't wake up and the first thing, look at your phone. and It feels like you're staring directly into the sunlight. Yeah. In the morning, go and stand in natural light for about three to four minutes so that you can actually help to reset your natural circadian rhythm. Mm. It helps with adrenal function. It helps with your cortisol levels. Interesting. I do a technique called 4-7 breathing, which is breathing in for the count of four and out for the count of seven. Yeah. And what that does is it helps to stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. When we're stressed, we're in something called sympathetic nervous system. That's this go, 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 go. Digestion doesn't happen there. Hormones doesn't happen there. Rest and digest just doesn't happen there. But if we switch into parasympathetic nervous system, that's your rest 
and digest. That's your repair. That's where hormones function better. Mm-hmm. So just doing that simple, like belly breathing as well. Like as females, we tend to suck in our bellies. Yeah. Just let it all hang loose. And do about 10 reps of that in the morning as you're getting ready, as you're standing outside to get some light, even if you just pop your head out the window. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. And then try and get some movement every day. And it's not lycra and sweat bands every day. It's about going for a walk during your lunch break, get up and move away from your desk for, I know you said no rules, but maybe that could be a very helpful rule. No eating while you're working so that you can concentrate on the food and actually taste the food, feel the different textures, connect with your food and be present. And it's really difficult for many of us because as I say, we're living in this fast paced world. We're like heads with legs, just whizzing around. And then in the evening, Get a nice evening ritual going for yourself, whether that's having a bath, reading a book, have a curfew for your electronics, switch them off early so that you're not inundated with pings and things coming at you continuously and that you're not reading something that revs you up just before bed. And again, do your four, seven breathing, start bringing that breathing in. And simple changes like that, I call them the small wins. If you start implementing those and they become part of your day-to-day routine you'll start noticing big wins at the end mm-hmm. and then going back to exercise it's about moderate exercise not excessive exercise yeah. and exactly what you said in the beginning you know we become so consumed about being healthy that we become unhealthy because we have to do everything in excess yeah i know i was the person i used to get up at 5 a.m go for a jog on the beach when i lived in, in cape town in south africa yeah. and then i would go for a jog in my afternoon break, I'd actually hit the gym. And in the evening, because I was managing restaurants at that stage, when the restaurant closed at 11, I was back in the gym. Yeah. So, you know, that's just totally unhealthy and absolutely unnecessary. Mm. So it's about moderate exercise. And, you know, on Instagram and everywhere, follow the people that make you feel good about yourself, not the ones that make you feel terrible yeah. about yourself. That's such a big thing. It's so, people don't realize how important it is and how much of a difference that makes. I think they're just like, oh, yeah, what, how, how can that make a difference? But until you do it, it really doesn't. Yeah. And exercise for me, and even as a PT, you know, I'm kind of on a bit of a mission at the moment. And people are like, I don't understand. Are you a PT or are you not? And I'm like, I am. But like, for me, I actually ended up having almost four months completely off exercise. Then three months where I was just doing yoga and Pilates and walking to the point where now I'm actually upping the intensity. I still don't go as much. I still only go three or four times a week, three. But one of them, or sometimes two of them now, are a little bit more higher in intensity and my body is loving me for it because it's like in a different state. I'm not in that nervous system play what is it this parasympathetic no the the other the one sympathetic. The, yeah. Sympathetic, I can, yeah I can tell I'm in a different place so majority of my exercise now is more restorative yoga calm but when I do do those slightly yeah. higher I don't really do much hit at all but you know if I go in and I do a circuit my body's kind of thanking me for that one high intensity session rather than being like not another one and it's amazing I'm actually seeing yeah. results now that I'm not even chasing the results I don't care about it I'm doing it to feel good and it's changing how I look. And if there's so much research that's actually showing, you know, with these hit sessions, short yeah. bursts, high intensity, that's having a really positive effect on conditions like polycystic ovaries. Yeah. And after the first miscarriage, I really got back into exercise. I actually feared it for a while yeah. because I was like, oh, I'm just so worried that my brain, that I would just go the wrong way again. And I really feel that that helped me to get pregnant and stay pregnant. Yeah, that's amazing. The the type of exercise that I was doing 
and I feel that it helped with labor. I was exercising right till the end three times a week. Yeah. And, you know, you adapted. I wasn't doing burpees. Actually, I've never done a burpee because I just suck at it. But yeah, I, um, I was doing the right type of exercise. And there's a lot of research around restorative exercise like yeah. yoga and Pilates and just going for a walk in some fresh air. Yeah. Really underrated getting really a un- good yeah. dose Actually of fresh being air. in the environment and touching the, the floor and... Being in, the, yeah, I mean, I'm such a big fan for walks, and I always say to people, look, if you do want to lose weight, because I don't want to shame people, like say that they can't. There obviously are people who are like, oh, I want to lose a little bit of weight in a healthy way. That's fine, but I'm like, just up your knees. So up walking places and up doing things like that. You don't have to restrict your food. Just up the movement that you're doing. I think people take for granted how much energy your body actually burns just by living. Exactly, and it's our basal metabolic just us sitting here talking to each other, our body's using energy and burning the whole time. Yeah. And I think it's quite important that you said there not to shame anyone that does want to lose weight. And again, I don't know if it's social media, but it's almost like you can't say you want to lose weight and you can't say that there's so many things that have just been taken. Yeah. You know, not all hormone conditions come with weight. You know, some of them have the complete opposite where you can't put on any weight. And some people have absolutely, their weight is optional for them and they have a hormonal condition. So again, even though you may fit into a box of polycystic ovaries or endometriosis, again, we're not all the same. And there's different shapes and sizes within each one. But if you do feel that you are struggling to lose weight and you feel like no matter what you try, the weight won't shift and you are experiencing, you know, the weight around the middle and insomnia and, and that type of thing, then, then possibly look at your hormones. It could be a hormone. Yeah. And then in terms of diet, what things can people change mm. with their diet? If anyone knows me, they'll know that sugar is one of my big focuses. And I know that some people are just so sick of hearing it and they don't want to hear it. Now, we all have a different relationship with food. Yeah. But our bodies are hardwired tougher times where food equals survival and food equals balanced hormones. Mm. And if you are living a very sugary-filled life as well as eating a lot of processed foods and refined carbohydrates, unfortunately, that can have a very yeah. negative effect on hormones. Now, if you decide to eat a piece of cake... That's absolutely fine because you know that that cake has sugar in. But if you decide to eat that piece of cake and you're eating all these refined processed foods, then you have no idea what your sugar intake is. is, And I think that's for me, is something that I work a lot on in my clinic. If someone comes to me and says, I drink 10 cups of coffee a day, I used to drink eight, so no judgment. I think, okay, we probably need to reduce some of that coffee by quite a bit, probably down to one cup. But if they say to me, I need to eat chocolate every single day, yeah. then I feel, wow, I've got my work cut out here. I need to make some changes for this person really yeah. to help them. I am a strong believer in the 80-20 rule. Yeah. 80% of the time and where it's in your control, you are avoiding sugary processed refined foods. Mm-hmm. And 20% of the time, and if it's not in your control, you're letting your hair down and you're having that pina colada and the piece of cake. Yeah. But it's about finding that balance. Yeah. And then fats, we need to be taking in good fats. Yeah. If there's one thing that you can do is I think, you know, you need to be looking at what have you done in the last week, month, year? What have you been doing in that time? And what changes can you make? It's always a good way to keep a food diary and to see what you're eating. What about, yeah. And then to start bringing in your good fats, your vegetables, your dark green leafy vegetables, your broccolis, your cabbages, your cauliflowers I call them my detox warriors yeah they are foods that I have identified that have the ability to help our body do its job properly yeah. 
and their liver is amazing. It detoxes. It's fantastic. But we're not living the life that we were genetically designed to live. And if we're not getting in vegetables, how are we supposed to have this optimal functioning organ? So by bringing in your vegetables and your your dark green leafies, your brassicas, cruciferous vegetables, you can really help the body. And it actually helps to detox estrogen. So when the body's used up the estrogen, it's used for what it's needed to. It gets packaged up in the stool to be excreted. But if you're not pooping, then that estrogen has the ability to be reabsorbed. So poop is really important. What about things like, I read the other day that... Making sure you poop. What about like soy products, like things we shouldn't have? So, you know, I actually noticed that my skin got really bad after I was eating a lot of tofu and soy. And I'd obviously not really had much soy. And actually my hormones have probably got worse since I was having a lot of that. I didn't have it for years. Then someone also told me that flax seeds also aren't that great for people who are suffering with hormone imbalances either. So flax seeds, I've found great results of flax seed. Again, you know, we're all biochemically individuals, so just got to say that again. But the thing with soy is it's got a bit of a bad rep, and um, soy can be very beneficial in diet as part of a diet. So if we look at how Asian populations eat soy, they eat it as a condiment as opposed to the main component of the meal but in menopausal women perimenopausal women the studies that have been done the amount of soy the quality of the soy and the frequency of the soy that actually helps to reduce things like hot flushes and mm. estrogen driven symptoms mm. but it's your processed soy yeah like the processed milks and things like that that mm. i would say just stay away from and the those tofu, like a lot of the tofu and stuff is processed isn't it going for fermented yeah. tofu yeah Organic, non-GMO. I mean, it's quite, you know, you do some searching for this yeah. perfect soy, but it can definitely form a part of a healthy diet. And your gut flora is also important for breaking down soy. Yeah. So. It's really interesting. And then what about natural supplements? Because actually I have to say the biggest thing for me that I've changed is I've changed my lifestyle. I mean, I've never really had refined sugar in my diet. I probably upped my fats again quite a bit and upped actually the amount of calories that I was eating. But I've actually found a lot of, from my personal perspective i've been having like ashwagandha holy basil Mm -hmm. reishi mushrooms like Mm -hmm. like trinkets in my smoothies i have collagen powder in my smoothie and i've noticed when i don't have my smoothie in the morning that i'm very different and for me i'd almost go as far as i put primrose oils i've been using essential oils and i'm a massive fan but i know it's obviously not really like scientifically kind of proven but what are your thoughts on natural supplements and natural forms of healing well there is research around certain supplements Mm. and some of them have been used for centuries by different cultures i would say though like working with a qualified registered nutritional therapist when you want a supplement can be really helpful when you want to work out what works for you personally for example you don't just want to be throwing in a whole lot of stuff in the hopes that it's going to work. Going to work. I have some people that come and see me and they're like, I'm taking this because like Sue down the road says that it's really yeah. great for X, Y, and Z. But there's a lot of good results with collagen powder. Mm. But again, some people take collagen powder and they get a terrible stomach ache. Yeah, so um, I don't take Mecca's it every day. Mecca's another one. Mecca's a Peruvian root that's been used for centuries with hormonal balance. It's called an adaptogen. But again, you know, it's not for everyone. And if you've got an estrogen-driven cancer it's better that you don't have something like maca so i personally use them myself and i use them in clinic with it's case by case yeah but you're not going to find the answer to hormonal balance at the at the bottom of 
the Mecca powder no. box. Or yeah. It can form part of this lifestyle. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I don't put all your hopes on one thing. No, no. yeah, absolutely. Because if you're anything like me, that's what I used to do. It's like got to um, be a whole I don't change. know how many spirulina capsules I drank at yeah. one stage. Because I'd, I think it was in the Atkins... No, it was the blood type diet that I decided that this was the way, this was the only way that I was ever going to lose weight and mm. feel balanced. And then I was just like burping spirulina is not great. Adding them in in moderation can yeah. form part of a healthy diet, but yeah. I wouldn't go crazy on them and I wouldn't add in too many of them at once. Some of them are really stimulating as well. Yeah. So really do your research and work yeah. with a practitioner if you can yeah. is my answer on yeah. that. My long-winded answer. No, no, it's amazing. And I mean, I guess we could talk for hours. But I guess what it comes down to is it being a whole kind of approach, a whole lifestyle change, not mm. one thing's going to cure everything or cutting out one thing's going to change everything. I think that's the biggest thing. So if someone's kind of looking at balancing out their hormones and really making a big change, you know, they really need to be thinking of six months down the line to a year rather than six weeks some people start feeling better within six weeks yeah others will take a year two years so we can't say so exactly what you said there so don't think of it as a quick fix yeah think of it as a lifestyle change and you know looking at a general hormone balancing plan is really beneficial and you may need additional treatment your doctor will identify yeah and by doing the lifestyle work, that helps that treatment. Absolutely. So I think all of that works together. And just on the topic of supplements, if you feel like you are really stressed, if you can't sleep, if you're constipated, then maybe like upping your magnesium. It has yeah. to be food first, though. Your magnesium yeah. can help. But there's also these lovely magnesium bath salts yeah. that you can use. Better use a great company for that. You can put these bath salts in your bath a couple of times a week and do your 4-7 breathing, yeah. listening to some classical music or an uplifting podcast yeah. or just listening to nothing. I think at the moment, the reason why everyone's craving podcasts is because they're craving content from a different platform than that's visual. You know, they want to switch off and listen or be able to do mm. other things. So I know that your book, The Balance Plan, is pretty much kind of a lot to do with everything we've spoken about today. So for someone who is listening, just tell them a little bit about your book and what they can expect to kind of get from the book, really. Great. Thank you. So the balance plan is a lifestyle and diet approach to balancing hormones. Mm-hmm. And it's literally my life's work. I'm not that old, but you know, yeah. um, it's what I've used for myself, what the research has shown me and what I use in clinic. Yeah. And I put it together in a plan. That's your starting point. It's a four week plan. It's a four week food plan with all the recipes my six pillar approach so it's what I look at when working with each client and that's looking at your nutrition your Mm -hmm. sleep how you move your digestion bringing in those detox warriors that I spoke about and finding that restoration in my restore pillar and from following that plan I've had so many beautiful emails from ladies that actually I'm such a softy as it is but they have me in tears Um, tears of joy I feel really privileged to be able to share my message I feel really honored that I'm able to share this message and to help ladies feel more balanced there's ladies with PCOS fertility issues with perimenopause, menopausal symptoms, you know, those that needed to lose weight, they've had such fantastic results. And the underlying thing that people keep saying is that they feel balanced, that they feel like they're in control, that they feel like they've found a way to eat. It's totally changed their relationship with 
how they should be eating and that's all I could have hoped for yeah no it's incredible when you put something out there to the universe like that and you get those emails from people and I guess people that are listening it's one of the most rewarding things and everything else kind of becomes irrelevant doesn't it it's so interesting Mm -hmm. how you begin life or you start out in this industry really talking about what accolades you're getting or you think that that's where success comes from and then you get one email from someone saying that you changed their life and it's like wow this is what life's about and it does just nothing feels better so it's amazing amazing. and the link to the book will be at the bottom of this podcast as well as everything towards your own personal platforms and websites like thank you you're writing incredible content for us at Alternatively Healthy as well and hopefully there's a lot more excited about that yeah no I'm so excited too you know what I feel like I've found my place in the industry to like it's not that I'm claiming to be the healthiest person you know I'm very much an everyday girl on the same journey I happen to have a personal training qualification happen to have had experience over the last two years and this is what's so interesting is by being a PT I always say to people what I find interesting is actually I'm the first point of call when anyone wants to change anything about their lifestyle their diet they come to us before they go to a nutritionist it's just the natural thing isn't it it's cooler to have a PT yeah so I noticed that I was getting all these girls and all of them had the same underlying issues of not loving themselves enough not believing them themselves enough and not loving their body in any way shape or form so I really feel like now you know it's really nice everyone's coming together and all the people who are really in this to help others we're kind of all coming together to really just Mm. help people make better choices that will make them tune into themselves and really figure out a a diet and a lifestyle that works for them rather than what everyone else is doing exactly it's very exciting i feel like the health industry is booming in london now it's like it's taken a turn it's like the tide has changed it's more focused on hang on what can i do long term to feel better long term it's amazing as opposed to that quick fix and i'm so pleased to be part of that and there's so many great events on the go and podcasts like yours and the magazine as well and I just feel like we're sharing this information as a united front these are the steps and we've got our own story like when I started writing the book I had my second miscarriage and when I finished writing the book I was heavily pregnant it was a month before I had my daughter you've been on a whole journey so I went on a whole journey while I was writing the book so it definitely comes from a place of I've been there, I understand that I am there, as opposed to what I feel like we used to have in years gone by was like someone in an ivory tower pointing down and saying, thou shalt not do X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. No. And I think now that we've got this, like the first one out of the way, I definitely think let's schedule in another podcast to talk about all things, just miscarriaging and having babies and carrying because, you know, I've had friends that have had miscarriages. I've had friends that have had to Give birth at seven months pregnant to a stillborn. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it is, it is awful. And I wanted to just do one first on – we've done one on balancing hormones prior, but it was very related to stress and the science behind the stress kind of more so, and the food kind of became a part of it. But I really wanted to do something that was a lot more just – here we are this is what hormone balance looks like these are the changes that you can make but I would love to go a little bit deeper for those who are the women who might be looking to have children and can't get pregnant would love to do that one with you I'd love sure. to great but, thank um, you thank you so much for today and coming on the show and hopefully I will see you very soon amazing thanks thank for having you. me you're so welcome thank you bye bye you have been listening to the alternatively healthy wellness podcast series by Becky Raven. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please feel free to leave your comments and feedback below and don't forget to give us a lovely little rating. For more information on our podcasts, other episodes and to find out more about what we do, please visit www.alternativelyhealthy.co.uk And remember, shaping the healthiest version of you means looking purely at you.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.